Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Father, we praise your name this morning. For you are great and greatly to be praised. As we were singing, I was reminded of Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. It says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are You, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things and by Your will they existed and were created. Father, you are holy and you are worthy of all of our praise, all of our honor, everything that we have to give. And you don't need anything that we have to give, but you desire us with a heart that's open to receive you and to follow you and to serve you, Lord. Father, we come before you humbly this morning, just giving you the glory and honor and praise that only you deserve. Father, you are worthy. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sending your Son to restore a relationship with you that we broke in our sin, but you restored it through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we receive that and give you all praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. If you're a guest, welcome. Well, we've been going through the book of James the past few weeks, and our primary focus in this letter to the church has been that faith works. We've talked about external faith and internal faith, or you could also describe it as uh, invisible faith or visible faith. Our faith that we uh, are made right with God and forgiven of our sins through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ could be described as that invisible faith. It's on the inside. People can't see that faith. Jesus even told Thomas in John chapter 20, verse 29, that those who would believe in him without seeing him are blessed. Unfortunately, Thomas got the, the nickname Doubting Thomas because he said he had, to, he had to see Jesus. He wanted to put his hands in the holes in his hands and in his side to see it and to believe it and to feel it. And Jesus let him do that. But then Jesus said, but blessed are those who are going to believe with invisible faith. They're not going to see me. They're not going to physically be able to interact with me, but they're going to believe and they're going to be blessed because of it. And then there's the kind of faith that James primarily concerns himself with in his letter. Theologians call it sanctifying faith. Sanctifying faith works. It works physically and actively. This is the faith that causes us to mature and grow in Jesus Christ from spiritual infants into spiritual adults. 
We literally are allowed, and not only allowed, called to participate with God in this process, in the work that He's doing in us and with us and around us. And we've looked at how faith works in the middle of trials. And we looked last week at how faith works in our relationships. And this morning we're going to look at how faith works in prayer and fasting. And we're going to start in James chapter 5 verse 13 through 18. James starts out this uh, section of the letter by saying, Is anyone among you suffering? How many of us could say amen to that? You may be in a place that you are suffering. And his response is then, let's pray. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I want to stop here just a moment and say that this is something that we practice here at New Covenant. Uh, we have five elders. I'm one of those. We have four other men who are on our uh, group of elders. And uh, both by request of people sometimes when they're ill or if we find out someone has a serious illness, uh, sometimes we reach out and say, would you like the elders to pray for you? In response to this passage, we believe in the Word of God and we believe that it works and what He says works. And so we will meet with the elders and either that individual, sometimes the whole family uh, of that person, and we will anoint them with oil and pray together in faith, believing that God is going to fulfill what He said and they will be healed. And we've seen miracle after miracle after miracle in doing that. He goes on in verse 16 and says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. So this, he's pointing out, it's not just the elders. It's not just the pastor. It's not just special people who get to pray. And and it's only their prayers that God heals. James encourages all of us to pray for one another that you may be healed. He says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And the New King James Version reads that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or accomplishes much. And then he goes on to say that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. And you can find that whole account in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. We're not going to look at that this morning, but if you've never read that account, I'd encourage you to do that sometime this week. It's a, it's a great uh, example of how prayer works. But the interesting thing in that story is Elijah didn't just do it on his own. God spoke to him and said, I want you to work with me in this. I want you to participate with me in this. Pray that it will not rain. And then so Elijah prayed that it would not rain. And then at the end, when it was time for the rain to come back, God told Elijah, pray that it will rain. You know, God could have done those things on his own, but he wanted to participate with us. And that's how God works uh, with us. He wants us to work with him, not just to do it without us or us to do it without him. And so James encourages us to pray for one another and assures us that prayer works. It's a conversation with God. It should be a consistent, regular, recurring, continuous conversation with God that we are all called to have. 
And James then reminded us, like I just said, that even Elijah was a person just like us. We, we look at those accounts in the Bible and we put them up on some pedestal, but they were men and women just like us that God used. And He wants to, to use us and calls us to participate with Him just as He did them. I mentioned Thomas a minute ago. Sometimes we say, well, we're not, uh, we're not at that level. We're not capable. Yet one of the disciples that had walked with Jesus for years said, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. I'm not going to believe it unless I feel it. And Jesus was still gracious, still merciful enough to work with him. So, you know, we put them on pedestals, but every one of their lives, you can find a place where they made foolish mistakes just like us. And they doubted just like us. Yet over and over and over, God was willing to call them back again and say, but I still want to walk with you. I still want a relationship with you. I want to participate in this process with you. For those of you that may have not been with us the last two weeks, I've been giving everyone a heads up about this morning's message on prayer and fasting. You call it a warning <laughs> in some cases. Uh, I've been encouraging each of us to be prayerfully considering participating together in a dedicated time of prayer and fasting for the next 21 days. And at the end of this message, we're going to take communion together. And that for anyone that is uh, feeling led to participate in that process, that's going to kick it off. And then on March 13th, that Sunday morning, when we take communion together, that will be uh, breaking the fast or ending that fast. And we'll, I'll talk more about that at the end, end of the message. But we just read one encouragement from James on prayer. While James addresses prayer, he does not refer to prayer accompanied by fasting. And for that, we're going to look at several uh, Old Testament references and New Testament references. We're going to start out in Isaiah chapter 58. You can go there in your Bible or it'll also be up on the screens. Isaiah 58, 3 through 7 starts out with Isaiah and the people of Israel basically questioning God. They're, they're saying, hey, this prayer and fasting th- fasting thing isn't working. And here's what they say. Why have we fasted? Like they're saying, we're doing it. We're doing what you said and you don't see it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And then God answers their questions. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. So the people were fasting, but they were doing it with the wrong motive, with the wrong heart. And God was telling them it doesn't work that way. It doesn't function that way. He's not going to hear or respond to them because of their heart. And I just want to say that prayer and fasting also isn't a way for us to twist the arm of God. We don't earn it. We don't get them in a place where we said, well, we've done these things now. You have to do what I'm asking for. If that's your heart, then you're just like them and you've got the wrong heart. You're coming in the wrong manner and it's not, uh, it's not going to work. You're not doing it in a relationship with him. We're doing it just like they were to get something from God. So we don't force him or corner him into that place. As with most other things in our relationship with God, it's all about the condition of our heart. And God continues his response in verse 5. He says, Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? 
Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? So this verse would seem to be what we might think and consider of when we think of fasting. And it sounds right. But the presumed answer to these questions is also a no. And we know this because of what God then goes on to say in verse 6 and 7. But again, it's not that humbling ourselves is a bad thing or, or laying down before. God called them to, to repent many times in sackcloth and ashes and, and humble themselves. But it was the fact that they weren't really humbling themselves. They were doing something on the outside with a heart on the inside that was still proud. That was still arrogant and just doing it to be seen by others. So God goes on in verse 6 and he says, Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Those last two verses sound a whole lot like what we've been seeing in James. James says that faith actually works, like it actually gets its hands dirty. It actually accomplishes something. And through the prophet Isaiah, God is saying that fasting and prayer actually gets to work. God is not looking for a fast that is to show other people around us how humble or how spiritual we are. If that is what we're doing, then our heart is clearly in the wrong place. God says, I'm looking for a fast that's going to actually accomplish something. Now, we can't accomplish the things that was in that list. The things that God said, we can't do those things on our own. But that's the same thing as sanctifying faith. God calls us to participate with Him, but He's going to do the miraculous part of the work involved. It isn't that we work on our own or pray on our own or even fast on our own. In all of these things, God wants us to work with Him, to participate with Him. And when we do this with the right heart, lifting our fervent, effective, consistent prayers to Him with a humble heart, He will loose the bonds of wickedness. And he will break, uh, undo the straps of the yoke. And he will let the oppressed go free. And he will break every yoke. He will work in us and change our hearts and give us compassion to help the hungry and the poor and the homeless. And to put a heart in us that desires to clothe them and feed them. Just like our faith in James, prayer and fasting isn't just something we talk about. And it's certainly not the kind of faith that's supposed to be invisible. It's supposed to accomplish things that can be seen because prayer and fasting work. We're going to see it work in Daniel's life. Many of you may know this account that we're going to look at. It's from Daniel's chapters 9 and 10. And we're only going to read a few verses of this as well. But I would also recommend that if you have time this week, read, read Daniel 9 and 10. Daniel 9 starts out with Daniel praying and fasting in sackcloth and ashes in repentance before God. If anyone knows the story of Daniel, you know that Daniel was a righteous man. Yet Daniel's heart was broken not only for the people, but even for his own sin. He still knew he was in his righteousness. He was an unrighteous man. 
He knew it was only by God's grace and mercy that he could be saved or have a relationship with him. And so he not only repented for and prayed for, for the people and the children of Israel, but he repented for himself. And so we look at Daniel chapter 9, verses 3 through 5. He says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. Now we jump to chapter 10, verses 2 through 5. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen. So Daniel prayed and fasted for 21 days. And then we jump to verse 12. He says, Then he said to me, and he's speaking of the angel Gabriel, appeared to him, and he said, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for this, for the vision is for days yet to come. So I was sharing with the first service that this uh, passage or this account is one of my favorite. Uh, and if you've uh, attended New Covenant Church at all, or heard very many of my messages, you've heard me say that before. I have a lot of favorite verses, a lot of favorite passages, a lot of favorite accounts in the Bible. And I couldn't even tell you how many favorites I have. I just know when I'm reading, I think, oh, this is another one of my favorites. And I'll tell you why this one is, is such a favorite of mine, because it says that Daniel, he'd humbled himself. He was repenting not only for himself and the people and fasting for this 21 days, but from his perspective, nothing is happening. And then it says on that 24th day, that the angel Gabriel appears to him. But he says, from the first day you prayed, God sent me. From the very moment that he set his heart to seek the Lord, God sent the answer. How many times do we find ourselves praying and seeking the Lord, but we're not seeing the results that we want to see? Our circumstances aren't changing the way that we would like to see them. And, and we feel like, you know, giving up and throwing in the towel because nothing's happening. But we know in the New Testament, Paul says, we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against powers and principalities and spiritual forces in the dark realm. And, and this angel says, not only, it didn't just take me 21 days to get here. It wasn't a long trip. He said, I ran into the spiritual kings of Persia. That there were enemies, people who Satan had placed in power over this area and this angel was fighting them for 21 days. And then God said, you know what, Michael, and Michael's an archangel. He sent an archangel down and he says, go help Gabriel get through. And that's what allowed Gabriel to then come down and speak with, with Daniel. But it's that, the fact that it's like God answered immediately. But we don't necessarily see that. Yet Daniel persisted and continued to pray, continued to fast, continued to set his heart to the Lord humbly in repentance, in prayer, 
not only for himself, but for his nation. And God worked and we see that faith works and prayer works and fasting works, whether we see it or not. And so often, even when we get God's answer, it doesn't look like the answer we might have had in mind. It may not look, uh, the circumstances may not change to be what we had in mind. But if we're seeking God for His will, and Jesus taught us to pray, not my will, but your will be done. You bring your kingdom down to earth the way you want it to look, not the way I want it to look. And if we seek the Lord with that heart, the, the results are going to be good. And faith is going to work. And our prayers will work. And fasting will work. And we will see visible results in the lives of the people around us because God will transform them. We're going to take a look at a couple uh, verses in the New Testament now. Most of them are directly from Jesus. Starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 and 18, it says, and this is Jesus speaking, he said, when you fast, and I just, like, I, this is another one that I like. <laughs> because he doesn't say, if you fast. He says, when you fast. So this is an assumption that at some point all of us should fast. But when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, so again, one, Jesus says, when you fast, so we can see that it's something that we're supposed to do. But he also says how we're supposed to walk through it. It goes back to the heart. It's just like what we read in Isaiah. You can see the, the, the connection there that he's saying it's not about what's on the outside. You're not doing it to say, look how holy I am. You know, if you're just having a bad day, you know, forget if you're or fasting something and, and miserable because of that. If you're just having a bad day, how many times do you have people around you say, what's wrong? What's going on? Is, some, is there something going on? You say, yeah, you know, this is happening or this is going on. And, you know, we show that on our face. And so if we're fasting and doing that for the purpose, you know, even if we may not mentally, what Jesus is saying is if we're doing that in our heart, we're saying we want to get some credit for this. I want my friends to know. I want somebody to know what I'm going through. So you kind of just say, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm hungry. I didn't get my caffeine this morning or, you know, whatever. And they ask you about it. I'm like, well, I'm fasting. I'm doing this for the Lord. And so, you know, and what Jesus is saying, you're going to get your credit right there. There's your pat on the back. That's all you get. But if you say, no, I'm going to do this and I'm doing this in my private time, in my prayer time where no one can see it. But when I go out, I'm going to go out with a smile on my face and I'm going to have a good day because I know God is at work and what he's doing. And I'm not going to I'm not doing it for anyone else. This is my relationship with God and what he's put on my heart and the burden he's put on my heart to pray for. And I'm going to seek him in that and not try to get any accolades from anyone else. But what I can do in the relationship and what he's calling me to do. So once again, it's about our heart. In Mark 2, it, well, and let me just say this, like, you know, in, in this case, you know, we're talking about doing a corporate prayer and fasting. So we're going to know a lot of us are doing it together. That's, but there's plenty of times in the Bible where the people were called to prayer and fasting. The whole nation would pray and fast. So, I mean, there's, again, there's different types of fasting. So the fact that we know about each other, it doesn't invalidate it. Yet when we go out in the community, we shouldn't all be going out. <laughs> you know, look what we're going through. We need to be unified as a body in prayer and fasting, but go out with joy and happiness and looking for how God is calling us to interact with those around us. So in Mark chapter 2, 18 through 20, 
we see another encounter with Jesus regarding fasting. It says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. So Jesus is saying, it's like, you know, if you're at a wedding party, you're not going to fast. And the bride, the groom is here. We're, you know, this, they have no reason to fast, but the day's going to come when I'm going to go, and then they will fast like you guys. And then in Luke 18, 9 through 14, Jesus shares a parable that really highlights the heart of fasting. It says he told uh, this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Look at this. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous. So they had high, high, a high value or a high opinion of themselves, trusted in their own righteousness. And at the same time, look at the next word. And they treated others with contempt. That was their heart. And so Jesus saw that heart in them. And he said, you guys need to hear this story. And he says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one uh, a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God... Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself, this one will be exalted. The Pharisee was saying, look at me. I fast twice a week. I tithe. I do everything I'm supposed to do. And he, he's the exact picture of the people that Isaiah was talking about that we read a little bit earlier. He was proud. He was arrogant. It was all about him. It was all about what he looked like on the outside and what others would see. But his heart was not following God. Yet this tax collector who that guy was so proud that he wasn't like Jesus says, that's the man who receives the grace and mercy of God. He went home justified. His internal faith, his internal humbleness, his right heart with God allowed him to go home forgiven of his sins because of his righteous heart. We're going to look at one last scripture in Acts 14, verses 2 through 3, and just see what we said was true and what Jesus said was true, that, hey, once I'm gone, they're going to fast like, like you guys. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Like I said, just one quick example of the fact that the body of Christ started fasting once Jesus had left and they fasted and prayed to get wisdom from God in order to make the decisions that they had to be, that they needed to make. But don't forget that prayer and fasting is all about having a right heart. I read a quote this last week from Oswald Chambers. He said, it takes me a long time to realize that God has no respect for anything that I bring him. All he wants from me is unconditional surrender. And we said it earlier, God isn't looking for what we have to bring him. He, we don't have anything that he needs. He, the only thing he desires is us, a relationship with us. And the only way we can have that relationship is the only way we can have any other relationship, by spending time together, by talking together. 
by talking to him and then listening to what he has to say. That's how you have a relationship. And Jesus Christ came so that we might have that relationship again. And one of the things that we're called to do in that process, in that sanctifying process, in that participation process with him is prayer and fasting. And they work, but not because uh, it's, it's, it's just you do A, B, and you get C, but because our heart is wanting to seek Him and follow Him, and we know that that is a way to have a relationship with Him. And if we go into that with the right heart, it really works. If you want to join us in this time of prayer and fasting, one that's going to be, uh, many of you already have, uh, I've heard from several of you that God's already put on your heart what he would have you to fast or what he would have to give up. Um, I'm not, I haven't heard of anybody, I'm not suggesting anybody that they do, you know, like nothing, like just water only for 21 days. It's, you know, you may, he may have said give up coffee or give up um, social media or news or a type of food or coffee or, you know, just Whatever. I don't know what God might have put on your heart. And that's why uh, we, had, we had brought this up two weeks ago. Is I just wanted you to start praying and asking God what he might have you do if he's calling you to join us in this. It's not, you know, that's, again, not a legalistic thing that everybody's got to participate. If God is putting this burden on your heart to join us, then by all means join us. If not, that's okay. Um, and for, for me, I'm doing kind of a mix of multiple foods and uh, drinks and things, so it's, it's just a random assortment of things, um, but, but that's what he put on my heart. So whatever that is, uh, you give that up, and one of the things that I have found in fasting is that whenever you give something up, um, you know, have you ever had something that hurts, and I say, well, you know, it hurts when I touch here, and I say, well, don't touch there, <laughs> you know, then it won't hurt. Well, when you give something up or, and are trying to do that for fasting, it's going to come up, like, it just, or you're going to think about it, and it, you know, or you know, the don't think about a pink elephant, and it's like, well, now we're all thinking about pink elephants. You know, it's just the nature of how our minds work. So whatever we've decided to give up, it's going to start coming up. And what the way God has worked that in with me, and I would would just suggest to you, as any time that comes up, use that as a reminder to go to God to have another conversation to, with him, to pray for the burden, uh, the prayer burden that he's put on your heart for this 21 days. And every time that comes up, it's a reminder, okay, I, need to, I don't need to worry about my desire for that thing or that food or that um, device or you know, whatever that may be. I'm going to focus on God and I'm going to seek him. And you use that over and over and over. Another thing you may want to do is set aside a time to pray in the morning and maybe the afternoon and the evening. I know if I were going to do something like that, I would need to set a reminder. Like my phone would have to go off because I'm not going to remember. But so you could set a timer, and then after each one, set the next one. Um, and each time that goes off, that's a reminder. I need to pray. I need to seek God. It's that that physical reminder to turn me back to Him and to seek Him. And so it really is just a concerted time and effort to constantly take your mind back to what God would have for us and what the burden that He's put on your heart to pray for. Um, so that, that's one thing that I would ask you to do as well, is if you haven't gotten something specific, ask them. Say, Lord, what is something, whether it's for my family or my children or my coworkers or my city or, you know, whatever it may be, what would you have me uh, focus my prayers on? Um, and he may give you multiple things, but, but you can also ask for one specific thing. I would also ask that you um, consider praying for uh, the children and youth of our community. 
Um, I believe, without a doubt, the enemy, not just in our community, but throughout the world, uh, that the enemy is always trying to attack our children uh, and our youth. And, and we see that. But for Kenny and I, for I don't know, at least a year probably or more, God has been placing a burden on our heart for the children. And we're, we lift them, we pray for them. And, and that's something that we're going to be um, focusing on as, as we're in this fast. And um, actually spoke to somebody recently about um about some you know youth in our community and they were saying they were spoke to several in in a pretty short period of time and you know kids that were getting in trouble and having problems and stuff but they didn't they didn't focus on the trouble they just started asking them questions you know you know how's how's your home you know and you know your parents and it's like oh why well, i'm just live with my mom or i just live with my dad or you know and started getting you know just finding out that there was brokenness in their life and they said every single one of those um broke down into crying like they just they just started crying just just sharing their story their hurt they're broken. They need Christ. They need love. They need our prayers and our support. And our heart has been we want to reach these kids in our community. And we're doing things that can reach kids. We have a great youth program and children's program and nursery program. But we're reaching a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the children in our community. And so our heart is to reach more. And so I would just ask that in this time you you join us in praying. And if God lays that on your heart, um, Cody Leach, our, our Young Life Director here in town, um, God had also placed a burden about this on him recently. And so he had the idea of printing um, pages from the yearbook of kids. And he's been asking different churches in the community to um, kind of adopt a page and, and pray over those. And so if you would like, if, if, if this is kind of you know, hitting part of your heartstrings and something that God would put a burden on your heart. After the service, go get with Cody and he will give you a page. He's got pages from kids of the middle school, kids of the high school, and then also every youth leader that we know of in town, um, which includes our youth pastor, Cody, um, Marissa Skiles, who does the uh, Wings of Eagles ministry, and then all the other youth pastors. So not only are we wanting to pray for the students, but we're wanting to pray for those that are ministering to our students in town. So um, you can get with him and get one of those sheets and, and pray, you know, with a face, with a name over these over these children and just pray that God would do a work, the work that only he can do in their life and that we would see those uh those chains be loosed, that, that they would be uh, free, just like we read that, that it says God is the one who breaks those bonds. God is the one who sets us free. God is the one who delivers us. And we're believing that our prayer and our fasting will work. It will do a work in their life. The last thing I want to share is that um, on Tuesdays, um, there's, a, there's a men's group that's been meeting for years. Um, I'm looking around for... Mr. Lowe, Jim is, I don't are they out today? So he, he may not be here today, but Jim Lowe, it's probably been over 10 years. 22 years. Okay. So for 22 years, they have had a, um, a men's prayer group at, uh, from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. in our common grounds building on Tuesday. Seven to eight, yeah. So seven to eight a.m. And um, so any men, and they pray primarily for the nation, for world, for leaders, um, local, state, and national. Um, so that's something that's on your burden, men. You can uh, Tuesday seven to eight. You're welcome to join them. That's that's ongoing. I felt led that we were to also have just a time open for the congregation to pray during this time and see if God leads us to take it further than that. But at least for the next three weeks, um, I'm going to be meeting in the conference room back here um, from. 
6 to 7 a.m., so earlier than that one. So you could actually, if you're free, you could go to both. Um, but from 6 to 7 a.m. in our conference room, these east doors uh, will be open. You can park in the parking lot in between us and the um, Golden Chick. Is that what it's called? Um, and uh, join us for prayer, and it'll just be, it'll be open, uh, individual quiet time prayer. We'll have copies of those, um, the, the yearbook pages, if anybody wanted that, to pray over the children and stuff. But just a time for us to get, gather together. Um, you're absolutely, that's the, you don't have to do that. It's just if you want to pray together as a group, there's those two opportunities to do that, 6 to 7 uh, here in our conference room or 7 to 8 um, in, in Common Grounds. And I just believe, I, I absolutely believe prayer and fasting works and that God will hear our prayers uh, if we pray in the right heart and, and that he's unifying us together as a body to pray for our community, for our children, for our youth, um, and for so many other, for the families that need him. Um, this community needs him. And uh, it's he's going to use his people and not just New Covenant. Like I said, Cody's taken these to so many churches in town and we're seeing great, uh, great works in the other youth ministries and other churches. God is using the body of Christ in Lampasas to reach the hurting and lost. And we're just part of that body, but we want to do our part. Um, and so we're going to start the fast this morning by taking communion. If you receive one of these cups, you can, it takes a little while to get the little cellophane off and open the top. But if you did not receive one, raise your hand. We've got several people um, around. There's one back there, one over here at the side. Um, any, anybody else, just raise your hand up high and they'll get you one. So we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 through 18. And this is in the message translation, so it's a little, little different, a little more our terminology than some other versions. But it says, I assume I'm addressing believers now who are mature. Draw your own conclusions. When we drink the cup of blessing, and some translations read participate in, it rem- and it reminds me of what we've been discussing in this series regarding God's sanctifying work in us, that he invites us to participate with him in the process, to work with him. So when we drink this cup of blessing, or as other translations read, participate in the blood of Jesus Christ by taking the cup, and he goes on to say in the scripture, aren't we taking into ourselves the blood, the very life of Christ? And isn't it the same with the loaf of bread we break and eat? Don't we take into ourselves the body, the very life of Christ? Because there is one loaf, our manyness becomes oneness. Christ doesn't become fragmented in us, rather we become unified in him. We don't reduce Christ to what we are. He raises us to what he is. That's basically what happened even in old Israel. Those who ate the sacrifices offered on God's altar entered into God's action at the altar. I love that, that we're, we're not broken up in this. We're, we're brought together in him. And we're not the only ones taking communion. There's communion take, being taken all over this city, all over this state, all over this nation, all over this world. And we're all part, we're all unified in the same body. And when we pray together and when we fast together, God brings us together as his body. And he will work miracles in that process. You can take the bread and the cup. You pray with me. 
Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that you made a way to restore the relationship that we broke. Lord, a relationship that now we're free to talk with you, to have conversations with you, that you hear us and that you speak back to us. Father, I pray that our ears would be open to hear, our eyes would be open to see the work that you're doing in our community. Father, and that we would hear how you're calling us to participate with you in that work. Lord, and we humbly know we don't have anything of value to bring. But what you are looking for is a surrendered heart. And we surrender our heart, Father, to come to you to do whatever you would have us do. If it's to pray, then we'll pray. If it's to fast, we'll fast. Lord, if it's to speak, we'll speak. If it's to remain silent, we'll remain silent, Lord. Whatever you call us to do, Lord, that's what we want to participate with you in. Lord, and we know in that obedience and that humility that you will do what only you can do. Father, we believe you're going to set the captives free in Lampasas. We're going to see children and youth and their parents come to relationships with you because it will be a work that only you could do. Lord, the brokenness that we're surrounded by. I know there's teachers in this place right now that look on kids who are broken every single day. And I know it breaks their heart, Father, but it breaks your heart as well. And you can heal them. Father, and we pray for that healing. We pray that you will use us in that process to witness to them, to minister to them, and that they will be healed. Lord, and there will be testimony after testimony after testimony of what the Lord has done. Father, we invite you into this place. We invite you into this community. We invite you into our schools. We invite you into every place uh, that people gather in this, this community, Lord. And we ask that you would do what only you can do. Put a burden on each of our hearts where you would have us to go and what you would have us to do. And give us the faith to step out and do it. <clears throat> we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Whether you choose to join us in participating in the fast or not, this will apply. Okay? It's from Isaiah, chapter 58. We were just in there earlier today, but it's verse 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. At the end of 21 days, if you choose to fast with us, I am believing that you will be stronger because of your walk that will bring you closer to who God is and who He can be in you and through you. Um, I was caught this morning with the kind of the, the picture of someone who's fasting and they rub ashes on their faces so everybody knows that they're suffering. If you're fasting and God's working in your life, you should look like it. 
Praise God, God's working on me. He loves me enough to do something about who I am. And that's what I want to look like, that God has chosen to work on me. Amen. And that's who you could be too. Let me pray for you. We'll do the announcements. Father God, thank you that you have chosen to work in us and through us. And God, as we step into who we are through you and who you call us to be, Father God, I thank you that you will be our strength, that we will be watered by the garden that is your Holy Spirit flowing out like a spring into us, out of us, through us, into all the people around us and in every situation we get faced with. Father God, I thank you that we can be strong and that our frame will be strengthened because you are working in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me give you a few quick announcements. It'll be just a moment. If you want to know what's happening at our church, go to newcovenantlandpasses.com. Click on upcoming events. There's a whole calendar for the entire month. It'll tell you what's happening, where it is, what time it is, and what it's going to be. We have a new group starting February the 20th. If you are a single adult between the ages of 18 and 26, you need to be over at the West Building at 745 on Sunday evening on Fe- starting February the 20th at 715. Excuse me, 715. If you are not 18 and 26, but you know somebody who is, tell them they're a group that needs to be encouraged along with our youth. Uh, don't forget, if you'd like a handout, see Cody. He's over here next to the stage. He's got them all laid out right there. Pick what you want. And in the midst of our fast on March 5th, here in the auditorium at 7 p.m., we're going to have a throne room encounter. It's a time to listen to music, pray, listen to God, spend time in his presence, and I think it will be refreshing as well. Thank you all for being here. Have a great week, and I look forward to hearing great praise reports about what God is doing in your life through this process. Amen. Y'all have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 